All right. Welcome, Katie. You are like the first interview I'm doing inside of the renamed group. So oh, awesome. I know. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. So if you're catching this on the live or on the podcast, this is the Katie May show and I am Katie May. Hello. And for those of you who are fortunate enough to be in my inner circle community inside the intimacy revolution group. Hi, ladies. Uh, I have somebody extremely special with us today. Um, Katie and I go back. We go way back <laughs> from the beginning, the beginning, right, Katie? Well, you were just Pretty getting when I was, right? In yeah, I, uh, 28, well, I was getting started online. Yeah, my business was offline for two years and then I moved online with COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So um, Katie and I have a lot of fun trying to schedule these. Uh, <laughs> we've done a lot of them for how much trouble we've had <laughs> we've, we've we've managed to persevere and make them happen in spite of that um for those of you who are able to join live i do have my um handy dandy phone right here um with facebook so i'm gonna try to keep that up so i can see questions coming in um Katie and I are just going to dive in because that's just what we do. But I do always love to encourage live questions. And if we have time, of course, we'll get to those. So uh, to introduce Katie today, Katie, I would love you to tell our audience what it is that, you know, who you are, what you do. Give us a little synopsis there. Okay. Um, well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me. I absolutely love talking to you, but I love talking to your audience even more because I think this is such an important group of people um, to talk about money to and just normalizing conversations around money in a way where there's peace, where there's uh, calm, where there's a real sort of sense of neutralizing the charge and the energy around money. And so that is always what I want to bring to the conversation is like, we're just gonna have a conversation about this thing that impacts all of us that gets to be what we want it to be. Like we get to feel about it the way we wanna feel about it. So um, that definitely has not always been my story. <laughs> um, I was out of college. So, I mean, I'm going, I'm going 20 years back here. Um, but I was we'll a, it all. <laughs> it all. I'll do the condensed version. I was a high school teacher and a coach, a college advisor, dorm parent, academic advisor. Like I did a lot of stuff in the academic world and I really loved it, but it was a lot. And I got to the point where I realized that I was not going to be able to have the lifestyle that I really desired while doing this work. And I also saw that I was not going to be able to have the financial success that I wanted doing the work that I was doing. And now I could certainly, you know, I, th there were ways I could sort of uh, take advantage of what I was doing and kind of go up in the ranks and whatever. But like, I just had this moment and particularly because I was in the boarding school world you know, I really thought that it was important that my kids go to the school. And so I had to be there for the next 18 years um, because my kids were three and one at the time that I sort of had this revelation. I was going to have to stay at the school for the next 18 years for, you know, to take advantage of 
tuition remission and all that. And I like, I just had this moment one day where I was like, you know what? I get to live my life the way I want to live it. My kids don't have to do like anything. Like there's nothing we have to do. And so in that moment, I saw my entire life open up in front of me. Like in that moment of, it actually doesn't have to be this way. I don't have to continue to feel this way. It opened up so much. And I know what the work that you do with women, that is a question you're probably asking all the time. Do I want to feel this way in this relationship? Is this the way it has to be? Is this what marriage looks like? Right? So that was a question that I, I, I like saw it flash before my eyes. I heard the answer in a moment and it changed my life. <laughs> like that's the short answer. So Actually, I went from, as it's just, it's so powerful. Like so many of us get trapped and have been for so many years and we can even find ourselves falling back into it from time to time. Right. It's like, yeah. oh, well, this is the plan. This is the way it was supposed to be. And then before you know it. 20 years down the line and you're like, holy crap, what happened? How did I get here? You know? So I, that hits me on such a personal level, like thousand percent. But for those I know listening, like, I just hope you guys hear that because like, we always have a choice, right? Like we always get to choose our path. And so anyways, continue. Yes. So, and, but I think to piggyback on that, it doesn't have to be like the sweeping life-changing shift either we can incrementally make shifts along the way. And that is just as powerful. And so that's really the work that I do with my clients is like, okay, money feels like a lot right now. Money feels like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I Right. And it can feel like a lot. And there are little things we can do that can shift our perspective, that can shift our mindset, that can shift the way it feels, that can reduce some of the weight, right? Little things. And so that's what I like to come along and sort of guide my clients through and support them with is how can we create those little shifts now that actually make an impact without feeling like we have to completely change everything that we're doing, Um, especially if you're in a relationship because you're not the only one and it can be so easy. I think, and I'm completely like going off the, who am I tangent? We're just diving in. I hope that's okay. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think with, when you're in a partnership, if you're in a marriage, if you're in a partnership, so often, if you're like me, right, you'll, you'll read the article on the health thing or whatever, like the kid thing. And you're like, okay, we're doing this. Like we're implementing this. We're going to get, we're going to like change all the things. We're going to like dive deep, read all the articles, watch all the YouTube videos, you know, like we're going to be vegan. We're going to, whatever the thing is, right. It's like, it's so easy to be like, we're completely changing this aspect of our lives. And maybe not everyone's on board in your household. So it's like <laughs> so every, how... single, every single high power woman you're talking to, because whenever yeah. we make a change, we want it all at once. We're all, all at once. <laughs> yes, all at once. Because we know how busy we are. And we're like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this next week. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's, it's so important to be able to say, okay, what can I shift? What can I change? what is it that I want out of this change? Like, what is the feeling or the vibe or the outcome? Like, what is it that I'm actually going for that I think changing this whole sort of area of my life is going to affect or impact, right? So, so I want to, I love, I love, love, love. Like I'm all about the 1% increases, right? 1% consistency. That's, it's the hardest 
lesson that I've had to, well, one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn in my life. And one of the ones I continuously still battle my mindset with to this day, right? Uh Oh, am I getting that? Sorry, that was me. Oh, (laughs) I was trying to respond to someone in the group. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh yeah, Wendy, there will be a replay. Yes, we're recording this. It will be right here. Well, so, um, message Wendy. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, that particular mindset shift, I know it is so hard because of that we, we do and have been served in so many ways of like, it's an all or nothing mindset. We're badass. We got to get it done. We're going to do it all. We're going to go all in. And then, like you said, we just, we go, even if he's not on board yet. (laughs) Oh, by the way, we've decided what we're doing for this in our family. And why won't you take more initiative? No. Um, (laughs) But that being said, I really love your story specifically with you and your husband too, because, and I, and I love that you are a money coach now because you're not coming from a place of like, just always being really great with money. No. Right. Yeah. I should tell that part of the story. Yeah. 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 So let me, I'll share a little bit about that. So as I said, I was in the education space, which meant I made very little money, especially private education, believe it or not, there's a misconception that private teachers make more. We actually make about half of what public school teachers make. So I was, um, you know, a decade into my career, making about $30,000 a year working seven days a week. And, um, it was really intense. I was running like multiple programs within the school and I just had this moment, right. And so anyway, back, you know, back up 10 years at the beginning of my career, I was fresh out of college. I had student loans. I had, um, you know, a few years in, I had LASIK eye surgery. So I had that on a care credit account. I had a whole bunch of credit cards racked up um, for various reasons, but most of it was lack of planning, lack of discipline, lack of like understanding that credit cards aren't really money. (laughs) (laughs) needless to say, I was pretty stressed with low income, lots of payments and just this sense of like, is this it? Like, I just kind of fell into this trap and this mindset and physical habits. Like I wasn't eating very well. I drank a lot. Um, like I would go out and party when I didn't have the money to do it with friends and coworkers um, my relationships, this was pre-marriage, um, going into me, going into my marriage. So like my relationships weren't very healthy. I wasn't showing up. Um, I, like I did a good job at work. Right. I always was able, I was like a high functioning, bad habit person. Right. Yeah. But, um, like I was not living my full potential and it basically all came to a head when my husband at the time, my boyfriend you know, we were getting serious and he basically like, we were out shopping in one of those, um, like an REI North face kind of outlet store. And I was twirling around in this fancy raincoat and my husband and I said like, okay, I'm going to get this. And he's like, why? Like, you've been complaining about being broke and credit card debt. Like, what are you doing? You know? And it was like this moment where I was like, uh, do I hate you or do I love you? Like, you know, like it was just one of those moments where I like, and if you know, my husband, you know, he's just going to say what he's going to say. And it's, <laughs> I've gotten used to it by now. And I love it about him. Um, but, yeah, like, it's so hot. Then on the other hand, it's like, who do you think you are? It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that was something that we start, we had to work through, right? Like I didn't have the language for like how I wanted to be spoken to, like uh, around something that I needed to hear. Like I wanted him to dish it out, but like we needed to work on that. And, and the reverse was true too. So we've spent quite a bit of time. And I'd say, you know, since we started having kids, like it's been pretty easy going, but we spent years beforehand and leading up to our marriage, um, really like figuring out who, who we are and what we both want and what we like. And that was the most important thing that we did that helped us come together around money. Right. So we both wanted to be successful with money. I wanted to pay off my debt. Like I did. I just hadn't had that kick in the butt to do it yet. And so I got pissed about it. Right. I was like, I was pissed. And then I did something about it. And we worked through the like, here's why I was pissed. And, you know, here's how we're going to talk about this moving forward. And by the way, thank you for the kick in the butt. So like it was, it was a mix. It was a messy mix of emotions. And I think, you know, that was one of the things I, I told Katie before we started, I jotted some things down. One of the points I really wanted to make today is like setbacks on your journey do not necessarily mean you're not cut out for this. It's the same with marriage. It's the same with health. It's the same with friendship. It's the same with your spiritual life. It's the same with every single freaking thing in life, right? So the human condition, the human condition. Yeah. So even if you are making progress, even if you are making better decisions right now, right? You're still potentially going to see setbacks, feel setbacks. It might be messy. And that does not preclude you from building wealth. That does not preclude you from feeling good on this journey moving forward. It just, it can take a little bit of time. So acknowledging the mess and letting this, yes, like being human, letting it be, let it be a human experience. Um, it's just going to make it so much easier. So I, that? y'all didn't catch this. Um, I want to bring this up because what you said about how you and your husband spent a ton of time getting to know yourselves, getting to know each other and what each other wanted. And that led you towards the money decisions. So it's like, it's a very reverse engineer. Yeah. Like the, the, I, I know when I'm talking to a couple who is struggling with a money conversation, the thing is never the thing, right? And right. so it's always what's underneath it and what's behind it and what, what are the feelings coming up for you from it and all of those things. And that's exactly like, I love how you said that because I think that's a huge opportunity for women in this group, especially to hear like, okay, just because our conversations around money has been totally shit this whole time. Oh, maybe we can change our approach and go about this a different way. Like what, what advice do you have for that? And like kind of expanding on that. Yeah. hundred percent. So I'm actually, I'm mapping out my anniversary with my husband is in a few weeks. And so I'm mapping out a podcast episode, just basically it's like the number one secret to success with money in my marriage. Like that is the episode. So I'm going to spill, I'm going to spill it right now what it is. Yes. So it, it, well, it's kind of two part, but it's the same answer. So it is like completely having patience and allowing for my husband to spend money on what it is that he wants to spend money on. Like plain and simple, like there's things he's going to want to spend money on that I'm going to be like, mm, not important, but actually it is important because it's what lights him up. It's what makes him happy. 
it's what allows him to partake in the activities that he loves. And therefore my kids get to see their parents doing things that light them up and make them happy. And that's what we decided is important. And so since the day we got married, we've had separate um, checking accounts for fun money and then a joint checking account for everything else. And fun money is my, he jokes that that he made it up. He didn't make it up. I mean, he did for us, but like other people do this. (laughs) He's like, I am a genius. Um, So fun money is basically, you know, we get the same amount each month um, as each other, like two, like five years ago, when both my kids were young, we were giving ourselves less fun money than we are now. But he and I got the same amount every month. Does that make sense? So like we've, no matter who makes how much money, any of that, we get the same amount as each other every single month to spend on whatever we want. Thank you for saying that too. It doesn't matter who's making what. Yeah. It doesn't end up getting, get like getting the same amount of money. That is so important. Yeah. And what we do and well, so I guess what I see often is, you know, in, in a marriage, so-and-so will have this opportunity to work overtime and all their overtime money is their play money or someone's in the service industry. And like, so all their tips, they get to like spend on whatever they want. And I completely um, disagree with that approach because that's what starts to, first of all, you know, you're, you're spending time away and it's not like, it's not doing anything for the combined household effort. It is like a completely independent, um, like, you know what I mean? So I, I don't have the right words for it here, but essentially like we want the plan. We want the money plan to be the household plan. Like, what are we doing? What's the goal? What are we working towards? what needs to happen this month? Like my son just went to the orthodontist for the first time and we're like, okay, this is a new thing. We need to factor it into our plan. Um, Summer's coming. What, you know, what's happening in the summer vacations, camps, like all that stuff. So really like we've got this game plan and we have these goals for the household. Everything that we're doing is fueling that. Oh, and then we have fun money. And like that just takes care of the, the fun stuff. But all of our effort and energy and resources, like that's going to the family and our goals. I still get to do fun stuff. I went to Portugal with my family to celebrate my 40th birthday. Not my, not my husband and kids, like my parents and my brother. Um, And I used fun money to do it. Like it wasn't, it was a non-issue because I knew it was coming. I had some money saved up, right? Like I get yeah. to do what I want with that money. It doesn't go away, right? Like it gets deposited into an account and I can save it. I can spend it. Like I get to do whatever I want with it. More is coming next month. Yeah, because I think most of the conflict around that like particular situation comes from when we're like, because I'm, I'm a huge fan and you know I am and you are too, I know of everyone having the same pot, right? All the money's in one shared account. Um, it's not my money, your money, it's our money. Um, and so, but I think in these particular situations, when everyone's trying to do the whole, it's our money, it's our budget. And then we've got one who's usually the saver, who's like, you know, lording over this, the budget. Right. And then it's like, oh, why did you feel it necessary to spend it on that? Where it's like having that separate amount of fun money, where it's like, this is factored into the budget and truly giving your spouse and yourself the freedom to spend it on whatever you freaking want, I think is so, is like, saves so much conflict. Yeah. 
And I'll say something else too, because I think this is important. You know, after years of doing this work together, you know, we we don't ask each other, you know, can I spend, you know what I mean? It's not like he calls right. and says, can I grab like Subway for lunch? Like that's never part of the conversation because we just have a sense of what we can spend in a month with the cash flow that we have right now. Like we've just learned that over time because our goal as a partnership, as a household is to spend less than we make. (laughs) So like if we're both on board with that and we've committed to that over, you know, like some months we might spend a little more, other months spend a little bit less, but like we've got, like we both have our finger on the pulse and I know that I'm the one that checks the accounts and does like more of the hands-on stuff. So inevitably my husband will say like, Hey, do we have, like, do we have money for this right now? It's just because he knows, I know it's not because he's asking permission. Right. And so that's a really important distinction too, is like, there's no permission asking, there's no, um, or like forgiveness asking, right? Like we, we, that is not part of our vocabulary or the way we operate. And that is work that we did almost 15 years ago, right? To just really establish how do we want to communicate? Wh- what are our boundaries and what are sort of like the non-negotiables for us when it comes to talking about money and just building wealth together, building this marriage together? Well, and I, um, I think an important thing that you just said was that you both have your finger on the pulse. And there's a lot of communication and teamwork that goes into this. And I know for the community of women that you serve, you serve a very similar community of, of women I serve, high achieving women. Um, many of them will say and or the complaints that I hear are, well, uh, he doesn't do anything with the budgeting. I feel like I'm the mom. I take care of all of it. Right. And so I'm curious, like what your feedback is on a situation like that, where you have a husband who's like checked out, doesn't really want to, doesn't really want to pardon it, but she's the one who wants to control it all and keep it together. So like the super controlling piece, that's not my lane (laughs) (laughs) to coach on. (laughs) But what I will say is generally, if you feel like you are like being the mom, this isn't the only place you're doing it. And like that, like that mindset that I'm acting like the mom just needs to stop. Like, like you just need to not, you need to not do that. Right. Like, so like, that's my, that's my like professional advice. I'm that that's not my lane. No, I <laughs> um, and, but absolutely. So, but what you can do is, I mean, number one, like, I guess more specifically for your lane, it would be like, <laughs> what would you financially, what would your advice be for a woman who says they're in the situation? No, totally. So <laughs> I think, I think going back, but going back to like, are you coming from this mindset of like, I want my spouse to spend money on things that light him up? Like, are you there yet? And do you have that perspective that it is just as important that your spouse feels like I have autonomy with money and I get to live the life that I want to live too, right? Um, And also coming from the perspective that we're not both going to approach the family finances the same way and that's okay. 
So I would recommend, you know, having a conversation with your spouse about two things in particular. One, what do we both want? Not here's what I want, get on board. Like, what do we want? Like have a really um, like loving and excited conversation about the future that doesn't necessarily have to do with what's in the bank account, but like, where are we going? What do we want? What are we doing? Especially if you have young kids, because it can be really easy to like really get in the weeds during those years when everything is just diaper changes and stress and lack of sleep. So taking the time to like look past that. And if you're out of those years or not interested in those years or, you know, like wherever you are is great, but like, let yourselves dream and think forward out of kind of whatever you're in the weeds around right now. And from there, just having a conversation about, okay, so what's next? Like, if this is what we want in five years or 10 years or 20 years, like, what do we want to be working on now that is going to move the needle forward for us in the next year? And can we come up with something like some strategy or plan or like code word to encourage each other on that path? And so it might mean that you, the high achieving woman are still like kind of doing all the money stuff, but at least you're both on board with, this is what we're working towards right now. And we can always kind of check in and like talk about it. And like, we have this code word and we know what the one thing is that we're pretty focused on right now around money. So coming to this conversation and saying like, I want to have a conversation about this because like, I think it's really important for our future. And, and, but, but it's very much like a, let's do this together. And both of our opinions about this and the way we want to interact with this question is completely valid because it's not going to be the same. It's going to be, you know, you could be completely different the way you want to sort of look at the money, talk about the money. And so just like getting used to that conversation. Yeah. Thank you for saying that again. Because I thought that was so important. Like when you said you're going to have different opinions about this money and that's okay. I was like, yes, because I I mean, from my own personal experience, that was so not my mindset, right? It was like, if he thought of money different than I thought of money, then like, I, I mean, me, I was, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, like you're wrong. I am clearly right. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. So you see how right I am. Um, we did not have great money talks early on, <laughs> but, but it was for that exact mindset. It was like, it, it, it's almost like, and I, and I experienced this with my clients too. You have that conversation and it's like, oh, well, if he has a different opinion than me, what does that mean for me about me, our future? Like so much more crap just goes through your head and emotionally charges the conversation. Because money truly means something to everybody, right? More than just money. It's, it's, it's their association with their life, right? Yeah. And, and what another great conversation to have is like, what does money mean to you? What were your experiences with money? Like, if you don't really know what your spouse thinks about money, what your spouse's upbringing was around money, like everyone has their feelings and their stuff with money for a reason. Like, no, we're not born with it. (laughs) Okay. This isn't like nature versus nurture. Like money is all nurture. It is 100% nurture. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, that I shouldn't say that actually, because some of us are born like natural savers or spenders a little bit more, or like just, you know, like the risk tolerance, like that, that right? but a lot, yeah, like our personality traits definitely affect risk factor and stuff like that. But you can still like, there's so, so, so much, um, bias that gets, um, you know, like interpreted at a very young age. And I actually just posted, or I sent an email about this today, how I went and saw the movie Sing, and I'd seen it before, but I saw it with my kids. They had like a movie night at their school and it hit me so hard. Like the caricatures of the greedy, money hungry, um, like there's the, the mouse that's like taking out all these loans from the bank and like spending like crazy. And then there's the gorillas who like, are, you know, stealing money. And then there's the tight fisted mean auntie and, uh, the, the wealthy, like tight fisted mean the auntie kid. Yeah. The kid living off his parents. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So all like all of it. Right. I, I, I never registered until you're saying all this. I'm like, gosh, you're right. There's a lot of money messages in that movie. <laughs> a lot. And like, it's a sweet show, right? Like it's got the feel good. Like she's singing at the end. Like that's what everyone remembers. But I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, I got to have a conversation with my kids about money like today, right? Like it freaked me out. And and yeah, so it's just, I didn't pick up on any of that until you just said it. That's awesome. So like, that's what, but when you think about it, it's like when you, when you graduate from college, when you get your first job, when you have no wealth, yeah. like what movie did you watch that empowered you, that encouraged you, that like showed you that having money and being able to like create safety and security and fun and, you know, generous giving and all the things like who showed you that when you were a kid and an adolescent. And so I just, um, I think just that awareness of how much our mindset has been molded over decades is so important. And, and we don't even notice it, right? Like we don't even notice it, even as adults sometimes. That was my second time seeing the movie and I didn't really like pick up on it quite as much the first time. Um, so there must've been something that was, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> you know? Well, so you have like, as far as the work you do with your clients, um, is that like an exercise you walk them through to get them to know how they feel about money, what they believe about it, all that? I do actually. So I run a mastermind and one of the modules is looking at limiting money beliefs and learning how to rewrite them and just really finding, um, because I don't believe in just changing your thought and like saying the affirmation every day and boom, you did it. Like it's incremental. So for a lot of my clients, there's this belief that there's just, there's never enough, right? There's never enough money. Right. And instead of like starting to wake up every morning and say, there's enough, I'm abundant, right? Like instead of that, it's, I'm learning more about money every single day. And I trust that this process of learning more about money is going to like create more stress or like reduce stress around money for me. Or like, it is like, it's like a baby step. Like, I'm just going to like, keep learning about money. Like, that's it. Like, I'm going to identify as someone who's willing to be in this mastermind and show up for it. 
and start to start to make some shifts. And it is super incremental because I think a lot of us have been a little overwhelmed with the affirmations and the the mindset shifts, quite honestly, which is what we're doing. But it's just, can we make it way more palatable and actually see a change and like feel like what we're trying to shift could be true for us? It's yeah. when we try to completely change our beliefs overnight or affirm things that don't feel like they could even be true for us that it's, I, it's, it feels like a waste of time to me. So no, actually Mel Robbins even talks about that. Like when you, you have these vision boards of like these ridiculously nice cars and yeah. house and you're sitting in your studio apartment eating top ramen and you have this vision. It's just, it's, it's absolutely depressing is what it is. It's not aspirational. It's, it just feels like something that's so far out of reach. And while that's yeah. great and that's a wonderful goal, I love that you're saying this because, um, and yes, this is so important. The, like the more aware you are of your own feelings of your own belief system about anything, right. That's just going to strengthen your relationships. Like that's, that's exactly what I teach and what I stand for too. Is like, you're not going to have the relationship you want with anyone else. And this includes with money and with your partner, with your husband, right? Like until you figure out you at the depth. And I love that you said that because I always give the affirmations of like, they have to be uncomfortable, but not out of reach, right? Mm -hmm. They can't feel so outlandish that you're just like, that's just not right. So it's like, instead of, I absolutely love everything about my body and I feel amazing because it's just straight up lying to yourself, right? It's more of that exact same thing. Like, I really like my arms. And I'm working out and focusing on celebrating the progress, right? Yeah. I feel good when I have a good workout. It's like just, it's, it's reinforcing what is working or what could feel true. And I know like one, um, well, with the money in particular, those limiting beliefs sometimes just aren't as obvious either. So like you said, just that awareness, that deep self-awareness, like sometimes that is enough to then be like, oh, I don't want that to be the, like, I didn't even realize that was the belief and I don't want that to be the belief. And yeah. so like that desire to shift makes it easier too to like take that next step. Yes. I love that. I, I was going to ask you, um, what would be your biggest piece of advice? Because I know a lot of the women you serve are CEOs or starting their businesses, right? What would be your biggest piece of advice for the woman just getting started? With, with her money on her money journey? Yes. Looking at money. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So there, there are a couple, well, the most, I think the most important thing you can do to start is to do less with your money and do it with more intention. So what I mean by that, essentially it's to simplify, right? I love some good simplifying. I was on a call with a client this morning and we came up with a strategy for her to take something like seven credit cards and three loans and none of them are very big, right? Like the grand total was under, under $20,000 spread out over like 10 different loans. And we, we looked at like her interest rates, monthly payments, all this, and just like the burden of juggling all of it. 
And basically I was like, if, just give your bank a call and see if they'll do a personal loan for, I mean, I think her average interest rate was like 22%, which is really high for that many different loans. So I was like, just see if they'll do something like half the interest rate all in one loan. And it's like in your local bank, like her banker literally called her last week to see about something like this, right? It was just like, how can you simplify? How can you just make everything that you're doing right now a lot easier? So consolidating and be careful with this. I don't want to just say like, go dot consolidate anywhere. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Um, this specific example in the, the bank, like, yeah, it's not the same for everybody. This was like a specific example um, after, you know, going through all the details together. Um, but that was something where it was like, okay, this is a glaringly obvious, there's just a lot of clutter here that we can streamline and just like literally cut her payment in half, but also just reduce her stress. Okay. Also, especially if you're running a business between your business and your home, how many unused subscriptions, memberships, things like that do you have? And I know it's like, well, whatever, who is only $7.99? I get it. But even I yeah. just went through, I went through and what's that? It adds up. Like it adds up. Yeah. But yeah. but I mean, I I mean, I just I just removed almost two hundred dollars worth of recurring payments that I was like, they're nice to haves, but honestly, I haven't used them. Um one of them, it's sort of like I sort of have two things that serve the same purpose. Yeah. And like it just this having this habit of culling, of um, cutting back, of decluttering, not because you want to, again, like I'm thinking the tight-fisted, like it's not because we don't want to spend money. It's yeah. because we don't want to be overcommitted and overwhelmed with things that we don't actually really need or care about, which brings me to the second thing that I think is super important if you're getting started is to really focus. So this is the intention piece really focus on spending more money on things that you actually want. And so a good example here would be, you know, if you look at what you spent money on last month, you might see around $200 in takeout that you didn't really need. Like it was convenience. It was out of convenience. It wasn't because there was no food, right? And maybe you went to Target and spent $150 on knickknacks and like throw pillows and whatever, like the kind of stuff that I'll go buy once in a while. And again, it's like, it's not a big deal, but was it at the top of your list? Or did you just stop in because you drove by and got a bunch of stuff? Take the 200 and the 150. Is that like a $350 dress that you would never buy yourself? I love this. Because it's too expensive. I love or this. like, or like a weekend away with yeah. a hotel room because you can't afford to travel right now. So are there ways, like, it's just a trade-off. Um, yeah. Are there ways to be way more intentional and spend money on things that you really want to, that really light you up, that make you feel luxurious, wealthy, abundant, like all the things, right? That I know like as women, like it does feel really good, but are you picking the things? Are you doing the things? that actually make you feel good? Or is it just another mask or hair product at Target? Again, 
guilty sometimes. Right. I know. I love everything about what you just said. And I like, especially because I think, and for me in my own money journey, this is kind of, this is like where I'm at right now. So I was like, I was like, this is cool. Katie can call me out on my own shit and in, in, in my, in my, <laughs> on my podcast. Cause like, I was always such a saver and I was like, um, like quote unquote, what I thought was really good with money. Cause I was such a saver, but I was that tight fisted, right. Like that you talked about. And that led me to like, when I got married and we got, what well, we got married and I was, we were young and we, we didn't have a kid for five years of our marriage, first, first five years of our marriage. And I was like, I want to spend this. Like, I want to enjoy this. Right. And it was, it was like $400 trips to TJ Maxx. And, you know, just, I don't want to, I don't want to not, I don't want to like keep myself from spending it. And went from that into this right now, where I'm at right now is finding that difference between living and accepting and being open to receiving abundance. Right. But without like, like you pretty much just explained it. It's like, what's the difference between um, living in abundance and not being um, tight fisted with it, right? It's like, what, where is that middle? And I think like you just kind of honed in on that with like, it's whenever you're spending money on stuff you really truly don't care about, but it's costing you stuff you really could love, right? Is that, is that accurate? I think, yeah, well, I think there's so many ways you can look at it. That's one yeah. way. Okay. Um, you know, I recently had an interview um, on my podcast with a seven figure business coach. And we were talking about this very thing where she was like, I get so pissed at myself when the cucumbers get slimy and I have to throw them away. Like it did, it wasn't a lot of money, but it's that like feeling wasteful yeah. that doesn't serve me. And, you know, if anything, like that is what I want to teach my children is yes, we have the money to buy whatever food we want. And I'm also not going to be like, there are starving kids all over the world. Like neither of those are, well, or in the US, like in our own. That was a phrase that I, that was a phrase that we grew up with. Yeah. That's the phrase we grew up with. But, um, but instead it's like, let's not like, let's not wait. Like someone grew this. So like, this is, we like, let's eat it. Let's have, like, let's just be more conscious and careful with what we do have, whether yeah. it's money in the bank or cucumbers in the fridge, like they're both resources <laughs> that our family needs. And so, you know, again, it's so easy to, I've seen these memes where it's like, it's super easy to spend, um, you know, $30 at Chick-fil-A but spending $30 on a manicure feels excessive or like luxurious. And again, it's like the perspective, um, what is culturally acceptable? What can you kind of complain and moan about with your friends? And like, no one thinks twice about it. And so like rising above that and not being that person who's just like, oh, we're so broke. So blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, like, let's, let's like not engage in that culture and instead think about, okay, these are the resources available to us right now. How do we want to grow them? How do we want to use them? Um, where are we going? What's the plan? How yeah. do we feel about it? And just always kind of taking a temperature check there. And the more you can ground into that with your family, with your spouse, the less the external shiny things 
like they get less shiny <laughs> is basically it. Like they're just less shiny when you, when you have this plan that feels good. Um, it just reduces so much stress and so much of that, like want and desire to shop and spend money, right? It's, it's just a buffering tendency. Um, it can reduce that too. If your tendency when you're stressed is to spend money, right? Well, here's a really great way to um, reduce stress is to start having these conversations, start thinking more intentionally about what you want to do with your money. So those are the two really just do less overall with your money. Um, st you know, stop spending in areas where you're not actually utilizing the resources, simplify where you can, and, um, and then really be more intentional and make sure there is some focus on, well, what do we really, what is the priority? Yeah. What do we want to spend money on and not guilting yourself for a therapist or a personal trainer if those are the most important things right now i love that ah, or the dress or oh, the 350 dollars dress right i love that well, i think like what you're hitting on too um is or what i'm hearing and i know from my own personal experience and many people i talk to surrounding money is shame like that like you said it's like oh, I, I, if I, that's too extravagant, right? Like there's so much shame underneath that, right? Who am I to buy that, spend that money on that dress? But I also just spent $300 over the course of the month on subscriptions that I don't care about and useless yeah. makeup I didn't need, or, you know what I mean? I, I spent that money either way, but who am I going to, who am I to spend 300 bucks on that dress? That, that makes me feel icky, right? Yeah. And that's probably because you grew up watching movies like Sing right? <laughs> or, or like, oh, again, God. like it's all, it's Sorry. all just perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, something else that in my podcast episode that was released today, I actually walk listeners through an exercise of like closing their eyes and picturing someone wealthy and identifying, well, what is it that characterizes this person as wealthy what did you see what did you like who is that person Love that. was it you was it somebody else you know and ah, so can yeah, you feel about that. yeah Thank and you. so ah. how do you start to redefine wealth in a way that actually feels good to you because my ideal picture of wealth is not going to be yours or anyone else's but we're all certainly taught different versions of wealth and shown different versions of wealth. And so that like simple, very seemingly innocent example of, oh, I can't buy that dress. Like that's exactly, it's like, I can't, well, it's like you can, but why do we have that feeling? Yeah, no, that's so good. Oh, so good. So good. Um, one more thing that I wanted to ask you was, also, what would you tell somebody who's watching, thinking that they're in this space where I'm just too far in over my head? Mm. I'm just too far in over my head with my money, with my debt, with my the habits I have. Like, they're just in that gross, head of your stomach situation. Like, what would you tell them just to do next? Besides, obviously, call you. Yeah, yeah I mean... It depends. It yeah. really does depend. And actually what I will say is a lot of times I will talk to a woman who's in that position where she's like, every, I'm just in over my head with so many things. 
So sometimes I'm not the first best person. Sometimes you are, right? Sometimes it really has to be about the relationship or, or the health or right something else. So money touches everything. So if there's anything that is not feeling good, like there's going to be a financial component that feels stressed. And so I, I mean, the, the easy answer for me is the, the simplify and take some of the pressure off of yourself. Money is a journey and like your debt's not going to go anywhere, right? Like you don't, you don't have to clean everything up right now. So if you're feeling in over your head, if you're feeling like you have no idea where to start, sometimes it can just be helpful if it feels possible to, I mean, for some people they are like, I, I can't even do that right now. Just looking at your numbers, like just looking at what is actually going on right now. And a lot of times when I have women who are like, oh, it's too scary. Like, I can't look at that. When we do go through everything, when we do actually look at, well, here's how much money you have to spend this month. Like, here's your income. Like some people don't even know what they make, right? So here's your income and here's what you're spending money on. It, there, there, we, it just opens up so many possibilities for what's the next step. But when you don't know, and you have just all of this swimming in your head with absolutely no facts or data, it just, it, it, we just, the story gets bigger and bigger and scarier and scarier. Yeah. But actually looking at the numbers is like opening the closet, shining the flashlight and seeing that there's actually no monster in there. So, so that piece can can feel kind of scary if you're doing it by yourself. If you and your partner together are like, we got to figure this out, like, but we don't know what to do. Doing it together can be really helpful if you're in a place with your partner where that feels good. Um, and just kind of ripping off the bandaid and just go, like doing it together, you know, make, make a couple drinks or like a hot cup of coffee in the morning, put the kids in front of a show and like kind of make a date out of it. And if you are on your own or you like the thought of doing this with your spouse is not a fun idea. Um, I like, I would always be happy to at least like hear you out, like what's going on and kind of direct you with next steps. Um, but it, it can be money can be a hard thing to start with. If it feels like the whole world is crashing in on you, or there is just so much overwhelm right now that like money's part of it, but there's other stuff too. Usually money's not the first place to start. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, it's, it's awesome advice. I think, um, I know you and I, uh, talked a little bit online about having all the money together, right? Like, and we, we talked a little bit about that and I, I had a few people, um, come back on that thread and say, um, oh, well, my, my husband can't be trusted with money my, like we've had incidences here and there, or I can't like, whatever the case was there, they were saying that they couldn't, they couldn't have it all together. And I think it's important for this conversation. Cause I know a lot of people are tuning in to hear this is like, I think it's really important that, and from my perspective, I want to hear your perspective on this. Um, from like a relationship standpoint, I always say like, yeah, if there is like some serious irresponsibility and lack of accountability on your partner's end, then this is obviously like what we're discussing is like two healthy, mutually, you know, responsible people. And, 
And guys, just because like, if you are the person who's like, that you're struggled with the irresponsibility, then like, there's no judgment. It just means that you have an opportunity to grow in this area. And then if your spouse is the one with the irresponsibility, that's again, not judgment. He has an opportunity to grow too, but you do need to shift. So for like, for that individual, if you're the one who's irresponsible and you struggle with this, then maybe give your spouse that, hey, I clearly have this issue where I can't control myself or lack control here. And I give you more responsibility and I will take on more accountability from you and vice versa. Hey, maybe, maybe your spouse doesn't need to have credit cards and that's okay that you take on that extra responsibility for the time being while you guys still work towards getting to a healthy level and understanding with money. I affirm all of that, that you just said. Um, it absolutely like joining everything is not for everyone. And one, you know, an example I can think of, um, where this isn't the case, right. Where they hadn't joined and needed to comes back to this point about shame that you brought up where my client felt like <clears throat> she had made, and her husband was kind of, um, like he didn't really feel one way or the other about what they did with their money, but she felt strongly about keeping things separate because she was so ashamed of choices that she'd made with money. And so she just didn't want to expose herself. Um, even though she knew that he wanted to help, he wanted to be supportive and that she was, uh, you know, she had more like ill will against her, herself and her behaviors than he did or would. And so that was the work that we did was how can she rewrite this mindset that it's unsafe to ask for help to be in a partnership. And she grew up with really poor examples of healthy money relationships, right? Empowered money relationships. Wow. So that was the work is how can you start to work together? And so her solution was, well, something that I want to do better at, and I want to show my family that I'm improving with is coming up with my half of the rent. And so she literally had a rent jar that she put in the middle of the house that everyone saw, and she worked on filling it up. So they didn't like throw everything into a joint account overnight or like start tackling her credit card debt together, but she just made more of like a pub public statement about her intentions and cool. sort of having a way to hold herself accountable because it was this visible thing. So awesome. that's one example, but I think that sort of shame and frustration about our own habits can keep us from wanting to make changes in the family, which again, with everything that makes so much sense. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's an example that I saw that I, I, they, probably would be best off with everything combined and like having these healthy money talks. But again, like I'm not a fairy godmother. This doesn't happen overnight. And so just there, but that steps. was an important step. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, like don't push put don't put that pressure on yourself if you haven't combined your finances and you've been married for 13 years and you're like, oh my gosh, how do we even start? Like it's okay. Like one step at a time start with a conversation, right? There's, there's other things. Start with yourself, start with simplifying, start with being more intentional. Look at your own habits, map out like what's going on. What have I been spending money on? Look at the last few months, do it on your own. Like you don't have to do everything with your partner. Um, 
yet, right? Like do this, do this for yourself first. Yes. I think, and that's, thank you for saying that too, because like you said, I mean, that would be the power of a woman coming to work with you first, right? Even if like, and this is what I mean, it's as far as, I mean, I get asked that same question, like, why, why do you just help women? And it's, and this is the power of it where they're going to come to you. They're going to learn their own money stories. They're going to feel safe to be able to say, Hey, this is where I struggle, where maybe they haven't felt safe to do that with their partner for whatever reason. And you guys can hash it out and you can ask them, you can ask them the good, like good, deep questions that they haven't thought to ask themselves so that they can see, Oh, this, this is coming from like my childhood growing up hearing this narrative. And now I'm like, yeah, I have this perfectly great spouse. And this is a lot of, I hear, I see this a lot is like on the controlling end of stuff of like, I have this perfectly good, healthy, you know, great relationship with my spouse, but I don't want him to see this piece of me, or I don't trust him with money because my mom couldn't trust my dad with money and has nothing to do with him. And you're losing, they lose out on the intimacy. And so all of this is said and done, if she were to come to you first and get all her money junk figured out, that would actually greatly help the relationship, you know, even though she's doing her own work, you know, on herself for sure. Absolutely. Well, was there anything else you would like to share with us? Any points that we didn't hit today for you, my love? Um, I think, I think that's a good place to stop. I think that's where you and I really align where working on yourself first is going to strengthen your marriage, whether it's with the money, with the worthiness, with whatever it is. Um, that is like the takeaway that we can both really get behind. Love it. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, tell them all where they can find you. Tell them what's coming up for you, your podcast, your mastermind. Absolutely. Yes. Would love to. So, um, best place to find me right now is in, um, well, there's a few places <laughs> a little bit transitioning right now, but definitely on Instagram at Katie underscore Almstrom. I do have a Facebook group, net worth woman, simplified money habits for women entrepreneurs. And my podcast is messy to magnetic. And that has been a really fun project, um, that, yeah, I talked about a lot today already. So I think you kind of have a sense of, you know, what I'm doing there on the podcast, but essentially taking a messy money topic that my clients are going through and just walking through the coaching and the transformation uh, so they can be more magnetic with money. And coming up, my mastermind is uh, enrolled and going right now, but the next round starts in September. So I will actually be opening up the wait list very soon. So if that's something that interests you, make sure you follow me on Instagram and you'll hear all about it there. Sweet. Awesome. Katie, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Me too. We love you. And um, you're going to help a lot, a lot, a lot of people out here for sure today. So oh, thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here.